derecha, jardín derecho. A lo profundo. Welcome back. Welcome back to Dong City, August 24th edition. I had to play my favorite home run call because that's all we had this week was nothing but dongs, dongs, dongs. Welcome to the 29th episode of Dong City. Henry Maldonado, Vince Mercandetti, Robin, our background. Vince, how you doing, baby? I'm doing great now that there's so many dongs this week. We, uh, we really do have a lot of uh, illustrious ones to discuss I, uh, I'm having a very Florida week, Henry, and uh, it ties into the life group. So I'm, I'm excited to announce that, um, yeah, I, I had my Florida moment. I shared this in one of the groups, and it appeals to three of them in that, uh, you know, I'm going to get alcohol, which I never do, but I'm going to Destin this week, uh, this weekend for a little getaway. Destin, what was that? Destin, Florida? Yeah. On the, you know, Panhandle, it's about a five and a half hour drive meeting a friend out there. So yeah, going to get alcohol, I don't, for those of you who, who don't know me that well, I, I very rarely drink, but um, I'm trying to get into these hard seltzers because that's like something that I would be able to drink. And uh, I go to a liquor store <laughs> and there's like a, a racial tension between a Middle Eastern man and a black man while I'm in there. And I'm like, oh, this is not a scenario I want to be a part of. Uh, they didn't have what I wanted, so I left. And as I'm leaving, there's then a woman completely bottomless, just in the parking lot of Publix, uh, <laughs> with her car door open, and she, her ass is facing me. And her husband or boyfriend, whatever he was, <laughs> was not standing in any sort of provocative way behind her, but he was like six feet behind her, just kind of on lookout. It reminded very, very me fun. exactly of when, you know, like you bring your kids to the beach and you like surround them with the towels so they can yep. change. That's exactly what it was, but an adult version. Um, very, very Florida. Yeah, this was all within a mile of my house. And the reason I bring it up was it was pop culture, daily life and baseball life related because it, uh, I was listening to Stunned Out, <laughs> which is a song that mentions Roberto Clemente, which is topical because I'm wearing my Roberto Clemente shirt today. So there you go. And I received a gift from one of my friends. It is a Roberto Clemente World Baseball Classic jersey. I'm also that wearing sweet. Roberto Clemente Santulce shirt and my hat. And I went full Puerto Rican and I'm rocking the chain just as an ode to Javi Baez. I got that. Is that the same chain as vacation chain or do you have like different is, chains? No, no, no. This is vacation chain. I These chains are expensive. I can't afford more than one. <laughs> <laughs> That's like legit then. Okay. Yeah, this shit is expensive. Yeah. Uh, Renee, by the way, I, I, you can definitely mention there's no Puerto Rico uh, getting baseball anytime soon while we're on the topic, but also no, it was not White Claws. It was High Noon, which I think Dave Portnoy is a spokesman for. Renee was part of the reason I wore this just to bust his balls on his birthday today. Happy birthday, Renee. Happy birthday, Eddie, and happy birthday, CJ. Yeah, everyone's birthday today. That's good to know. Uh, and we just saw Rob with his major league hat that he likes to taunt me with. There it is because I can uh, not find it when I need to. And you've got the shirt, good for you. Backstory on that, I went to the Indians ballpark two years ago now, and I uh, just couldn't find anything major league related. And uh, I ended up getting just that sh like generic shirt. I've worn it on here sometimes, but Rob's got like an entire wardrobe dedicated to the movie. So jealous of that. Um, anyway, a lot to get to today. We'll start with the most boring and predictable stuff of all, and that is the COVID updates and like a very small avalanche. Um, 
there seems to be one COVID update a week, and that week is the Mets, uh, or this week is the Mets. They had one player and one staffer test positive. Therefore, the Yankees had four of their games canceled with the Mets over the weekend. Um, Yankees, of course, getting swept by the Rays. Uh, well, not again. They lost three out of four the first time. Yeah. They've lost like like six out of seven on the Rays. Uh, Rays take over first. Yankees then have to think about it for five days because they're off today and had the last four games canceled. Mets back to business Tuesday. Yankees back to business Tuesday tomorrow. Uh, that's where we're at. I mean, look, Henry, we're halfway through the season just about, and uh, and there, there's not any outbreaks going on right now. We're in really good shape as far as COVID's related. Yeah, if you remove St. Louis, who just fucked it up, but if you remove St. Louis, it's not too bad. Yankees, Mets, I'm a little annoyed about, but, uh, you know, we'll make it up. And, and honestly, the Yankees could have used that break after the ass kick and the Rays put on us. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus in Yankee universe is we really needed that break. Um, and we'll get into why right now they, uh, they've got injuries. This is, you know, I was thinking about this like a couple of hours ago before the show. And I, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to disrespect what the Yankees accomplished last year, right? Mm-hmm. 30 individual injuries. I think it was 36 total IL trips. They get two games short of the World Series. Um, that's how much talent and depth the team has. That's how well they performed. And in my head, two hours ago, I'm like, I don't want to compare 2020 to that because I don't want to disrespect what that accomplishment was. It was literally has never been done in the history of baseball. Then I'm thinking about it. And Henry, if you include the original start of the season, you've got the nine injuries that they have now. And you would also have to add Severino, Heller, uh, Tanaka, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. Oh, Hicks. We're all, they all would have been hurt between original opening day and now. You're talking about 13 injuries in what would have been less than half the season. So they're kind of right on pace for what they were at last year. This is with a new medical staff. This is with new trainers. This, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm out of reasonings to why it could be. Everyone was on board to fire the trainers, which they did. They got a new hospital affiliation. They did a whole bunch of things. And here we are. And I'm just yeah. waiting for Chapman to pull a muscle because this dude looks like an Adonis right now. Yeah, I, I, it's the only sport in the world where I'm scared to death when they add muscle because I'm like, they're going to get hurt now. It, you know, if you Chapman do it in looks baseball, great, he's going to have a career year. You do it in baseball, I'm like, he's out for half the year. Yeah, he looks great. I just, you know, he's going to pull a muscle. Dude is jacked. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chapman is a good bet to go on the IL next. Uh, I'm trying to think of a Hicks is due for a second trip. Voight's due for a trip that hamstring's got to pop soon. So yeah, Voight, is, Voight is hot right now. He's probably the one more pissed off about these COVID updates. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. It's probably him that's pissed off the most. Yeah, he, that, that's, I mean, he was hitting everything. Um, many will say to my chagrin, but, you know, I'm always rooting for the Yankees to do well, but uh, Voight was definitely in his own before this happened. If I told you Lou Voigt was leading the league in any category, how shocked would you have been? Probably shocked. Lou Voigt is leading the Amer- the major leagues in slugging percentage. Really? Okay, but not home runs? Mm, not home runs. Okay. What does he have, 10? He's at 10. 10? Okay. Who's the leader, do you know? Tatis. Uh, I think it, it is Tatis. Uh, in baseball, Tatis. Yeah, what about the AL? That's a nice theme for today. Yeah, that's going to be a topic. By the way, so this is I, – I didn't throw this in there in the, here in the intro. Uh, if you are a West Coast fan of baseball today, we're going to have a fun show. We've had a lot of West Coast focus today. Um, 
And if you like the White Sox, we'll we'll chat on that too. So anyway, so you know, can I answer your question quickly? Uh, yeah. AL Player of the Week, Jose Abreu, leads the American League with eleven. Oh well, it helps when you have four home runs and four at bats, like you had earlier this <laughs> week. So that's that's yeah, that'll do it. Uh, I mean, White Sox are they're hitting the shit out of the ball. It's crazy. It's weird. I don't love, and I think I've mentioned this before. I don't love the current product of baseball as much as I've loved it in the past because it's a little less strategy. It's a little more beer league softball for me, right? Yeah. Uh, very heavy on the walks, home runs, and strikeouts. Home runs are cool, but when you're hitting three a game, like it gets old. Um, but for whatever reason, watching the White Sox hit a thousand home runs a week, that's cool. Maybe because they're all like 12 years old. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm enjoying watching the White Sox. When we had our previous show, what did I call them? I said, they're going to be fun, and that's exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah, it's a good call. And they, their record is about what we thought. That, you know, and actually, it's a little better now. They're, they're uh, 17 and 12 now. Real quick, uh, this is the 2020 staff for you. The two players that lead in slugging percentage, Luke Voigt, and as I was white-splained last week, Brandon Lau. Brandon Lau, last week's player of the week. Yeah, the great white hope. All right. Um, uh, wish he was on any, any other team right now, but what are you going to do? Yeah. So uh, to finish up that thought, Britton, Paxton, Torres, and Judge in the past week, Stanton the week before that. Judge due to return tomorrow, so that was a short trip. Yep. This goes into my little conspiracy theory. I mentioned it, I think, in one of the game threads. I don't entirely think this is on the players because – I think the Yankees will just send you to the IL for like anything. I think it's a, an organizational philosophy that they'd rather you play at a hundred percent than 90% and possibly get re-aggravated. You like I don't think a, Torres and judge needed to go on the IL. You think it's a way to manipulate the, uh, you know, take it out of the play the manager's hands and just say, Hey, you're not playing them if they're on the IL. I, I think there's a little of that going on. I thought problem, it last year too. The problem with that is judge was, on fire but they don't believe in that like Boone has said he doesn't believe in that this this is true they do not believe in hot yeah they which isn't and I'm not saying I agree with this at all this is what from observing the Yankees last two years I'm entirely convinced that some of these injuries not all because obviously you know a guy like Paxton was getting hurt before he ever came here Stan gets hurt a lot uh those two guys are just they are what they are but yeah this judge injury I don't think he if that was the playoffs, he's still he he, is, he probably doesn't miss a game. And Torres, yeah, I, I think he has enough. He has enough uh, in the bank with the Yankees to say you're not putting me on the IL, and he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't let them. Yeah, Torres, Brayton, like grade one at best. I, one of them, I think Torres didn't even register as a as a grade anything. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but a he, little bit. He he did get some bad news, and he's out two to three weeks. So. Yeah, he's, who, he's Torres his, or Brayton? Yeah, no, uh, Torres. He strained his quad and his hamstring. Okay. I so just – I don't know. But I, I, I do think that there – I agree with you. I think there's some of that going on. It's a little ticky-tacky for me. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating because, like, in a real season with this team, with the depth they have, if they had a team that didn't believe in this, they probably could win 110 games. Like, I'm not even joking. That's the level of talent, but – they're never going to get to that level because of this philosophy that they've got. So we'll see. Some of it's bad luck, but I think some of it is just, hey, take a vacation. We'd rather you be 100% than anything less. Uh, and now Matt Shoemaker, on the other hand, 
He's still on the Angels. <laughs> I haven't even, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I assume so because he got hurt. But Shoemaker hurt again. Steven Strasburg, tough year for the Nationals. Who, who, who saw that coming, that their pitchers would all get hurt almost immediately? Uh, he's one of that extension, season. too. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> it's 2018 Red Sox, 2019 Nationals. If you take the route of using your starters as relievers on their throw days and, you know, just exhausting them towards a title, yes, you win a title, but do not expect to defend that title. You're going to have a real shitty year, and we've now seen that twice. So he's out for the year with carpal tunnel, which I don't know. We get I mean, these I, I, new. It's injuries. better than something else, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, better than Fortnite. Oh, I can say that. Seriously. Uh, so those are your main injuries. Uh, Randall Grichik, did you say? Randall Grichik, oh, he fair. has a back injury. Charlie Blackman strained his oblique against the Dodgers. We know how long those obliques can take to to go. Uh, Jose Quintana bruises arm against the Cardinals, and Nomar Mazara is activated, actually. I thought he was hurt. Quintana, I just saw, I think he's going to come back and go to the bullpen, which, yeah, that that trade. I know Cubs fans like to defend it. I don't know why, because it was after they won the World Series, but that's a terrible trade. <laughs> that's just awful. Cubs fans, I mean, you know. It's, I mean, you got a loy over there uh, hitting a, a million home runs so far, and you've got Dylan Cease, who doesn't look like a piece of shit this year. And, you know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you they won a world. They they'll tell you that they won the World Series and everything is okay, which we know is bullshit. But yeah, that's that that's a terrible trade. White Sox fleeced you. There, you can't get around that. Uh, and yes, they Tatis Jr. again coming into play. Yes, the White Sox have had their own share of bad trades pre-Rick Hahn. Uh, but that was a bad one for the Cubs. So keep saying that name. There you go. Yeah, so this is your new toy. This is my new baby. This is the one and only Fernando Tatis autograph. So I have a couple back uh, shadow boxes coming in. I'm going to put the Juan Soto bat up. I'm going to put the Fernando Tatis bat up, and I'm going to try to stop spending money on bats and, and baseballs, which as you can see, starting to pile up in the background. I think it's so funny. Last week, we we're talking about Soto and Tatis. <laughs> now you've got memorabilia for both of them. Yeah. And, and it's like Tatis hurt us this week because of the week he's had, uh, mm -hmm. which we'll definitely get into uh, throughout the show. But let, speaking of around the league, let, let's go through a few updates here. We, we can go division by division. Um, AL East, big story there. Like I said, Ray swept the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Notable, the Yankees had won something like 27 consecutive series. Not only do they lose the series, but they get swept. Not only do they get swept, but they get swept out of first place. Um, Rays lost earlier today, but they are still a half game up. So going into tomorrow, they will remain in first place, technically. The Yankees just beat the shit out. I mean, the Rays just beat the shit out the Yankees. There's no – Oh, yeah. It was, it was just – they came back. They Anytime we came back, they took the lead. They just – they're playing like World Series contenders, and that's what we expected from them, and they looked the part. They crossed their T's and dotted their I's. It's, it's my biggest criticism of the Yankees is they don't do things like that, and the race showed every single way you can beat the Yankees, which is exploiting bad defense, running the bases well, having timely hits, putting the ball in play. Uh, you out homer the Yankees, you're probably going to beat them, and that's what they did all series long, and they did three-run homers and things like that, not solo shots, so... Yeah, they're eight and two in their last two games, and that's with 
uh, taking a loss a couple of days ago. They're, they're just, they're hot, man. Like yeah. I said, us, the COVID thing with the Yankees came at the right time because the Mets would have probably kicked our ass the way we were rolling. They needed a reset. Now, the, the silver lining for the Yankees, they're like 15-3 when they don't play the Rays. So, it's, uh, it's it, I don't know if it's a Rays problem or a good team problem yet. We're going to see over the next couple weeks because they are playing the Braves the next two games. Um, they have the Mets after that, but then I think they have the Rays one more time. Uh, and then you get into maybe the Blue Jays after that, something like that. Blue Jays and Orioles who are still pretty good, both 500 and above. Jays just have taken two of the last three or split the series with the Rays, something like that. So they're being competitive. Um, Orioles haven't fallen off completely yet, and they're oddly eight and one on the road. I'm still giving the Orioles credit, man. Yeah, hey, twenty. We're all, they're almost halfway through, and they're still in it. So that's more than any of us had out of them. Uh, nope, um, that's not true. That's not true. I did say they won't. They won't come in last. That's true, and that looks pretty safe because the Red Sox. So put it in perspective how bad the Red Sox are. The Orioles are four back of the Rays in fourth place. The Red Sox are nine and a half back. So they're five and a half back of the Orioles in last place. They're nine and 20 worst record tied with the Angels in the AL. First team to 20 losses. Then the Angels said, hold my beer. Yes. Uh, AL Central looks pretty much exactly as we imagined. Twins in first, Indians right behind them, White Sox right behind them. Uh, Tigers and Royals not very good, although the Tigers were in it. This last week's been kind of rough on them. And, and that run differentials is killing them, dude. Yeah, uh, you've got the West. The A's are what we thought they were. They, they are the best team in my mind in the AL, and I stick by that, and they have the best record to prove it. Uh, Astros very streaky. Yep. Currently on the bad side of that streak. They just got swept by the Padres. Now they're back to two over um, – they're in second, though, because the rest of the West is pretty bad. And Texas can't stop giving up runs. They give up runs galore every freaking game. It's a terrible, terrible pitching staff. I thought, uh, I thought their hitting point. could carry them a little, but Jesus Christ, do they suck. Yeah, it's not there. You're not getting the Willie Calhoun from last year either. He's on the no. IL currently. Um, Alan, to answer your question about the Red Sox, their pitching staff is – Probably the worst – this might be the worst pitching staff I've seen since the 2003 Tigers. I'm not even exaggerating. I can't think of a team with less talent than the 2020 Red Sox pitching staff. Um, maybe Nate Evaldi makes it better than, like, uh, maybe the Tigers <laughs> like last year. I don't know. But I, it's, I, it's It's brutal, bro. It's really, really bad. Um I'm looking at Alexis' comment. I, I don't know why you can't beat your own division. It's weird because that division's not very good. You would think you can compete with the Mariners and Angels. And Alexis, we're not believing you that you work for the Rangers, man. We need to see proof, proof, proof. Hit my inbox and I'll give you my address. Yeah, Eddie sends <laughs> us proof like every other week. So you got some work to do uh, in that in the in the tour guide rivalry you've got going on in the West over there. Uh, switching to the National League's Braves hanging on to that. E no one wants to win the NL East, which is not really what we thought. Um, the Marlins seem to want it the most besides the Braves, and they're just not – I don't think they're good enough, even with the Braves having – like, Braves have Max Friday. I don't, I don't know what to make of the NL East. I really don't. It's anyone's division to win. I, I don't know what the fuck to think of it. it it's just – crazy philly is on the bottom today tomorrow they can be in third place it's just 
everyone's everywhere in, in that division. What's crazy, I think my conclusion right now for the NL East is every single team has a glaring, glaring flaw. <laughs> the, I mean, the Braves starting rotation is just a list of prospects who are underachieving. The Marlins do not have the talent on that roster in general yet. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Mets are banged up. They have, no pit, they have no pitching really in the bullpen or in the rotation at this point. Nationals, we know their story. Almost all of their good players at this point are hurt and or underachieving. Uh, and the Phillies have maybe the worst bullpen in the entire – well, definitely in the NL, probably in baseball. I mean, think about it like this. From first place to last place, four games separate them. Yeah. And <laughs> the best run differential, second through fifth in the NL East, is plus two. <laughs> and that's the Nationals, who are three games under 500. Yeah, I, I don't – that division is, is hard to call, man. So I'll I'll stick with the Braves, uh, but I I don't I'm the Braves wouldn't intimidate me whatsoever if I'm like a Dodgers fan. I guess really that's the only team I could say that about because we go to the NL Central and the Cubs are have lost six of ten. They lost two of three to the White Sox and it wasn't particularly pretty. I know they won that last game with Darvish, but they looked a tier below the White Sox in that series. Yeah, I, I don't get the Cubs. They're they're a weird team. They're hitting 224, 333, 396, which is not good. But then they turn around and they have let me see. What save they have an above average with runners in scoring position. They they're actually among the best with if it hits and runners in scoring position and bases loaded, so that's what's saving them. They have the fifth best fifth best on base percentage in baseball. And then their weighted runs created is 100, which is exactly league average. So the Cubs are a really weird team to figure out. I'm going to, I'm chalking it up to a fluky hot start, uh, which is the opposite of last year. I, I, agree. I, I'm not a big Cubs believer. I've said this many times. They were showing me up for a few weeks, but now it looks like it's leaning back towards team Vince here. Uh, yeah. I mean, plus four run differential and you're seven games over 500 um, and you haven't been shut out this season. So it's not even like you can say, like, they got blown out. Of, or, uh, you know, you, you can't say that they're just, not, like, not scoring or something. Like, they're scoring enough runs. Plus four and seven over, there's some fluke there. I think you're yeah. going to continue to see it. The one saving grace, and I mentioned this last week on the Cubs, is like the NL East, there just isn't a team you're that scared of to overtake them. They've got a three-game lead. The Cardinals are above 500. Now, obviously – They've played 10 games less, but that in itself, can the Cardinals win enough games with the schedule they're going to have to deal with to overtake the Cubs? The scariest team in that division is the Cardinals, and it has nothing to do with baseball. Every <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> might kill you yeah, if they don't win the division. literally what it comes down to, that division. Now, it's the Cardinals, and it's because they all have COVID. <laughs> nothing to do right. with baseball. But, yeah, I, I still think Cincinnati is going to make a run. Cardinals, by the way, plus nine run differential. They're one game over 500, put in the, the Cubs' perspective. Yeah, but they they haven't played a lot of games. No, 17 games compared to 27. I, I think that schedule might be enough for the Cubs to hold off the Cardinals, and I agree with you. Reds are 11 and 15. I get it. There's only 34 games left in the season, so they need to get going soon. Um, I think they can. I think they will. But I, that team just has so much talent and really – if Castillo, Gray, and Bauer get hot at the same time, which Gray and Bauer have pretty much been there, uh, I know. I mean, it, 
that offense has to be able to just be a little consistent. That's all you need. And they just aren't. <laughs> yes, Suarez hitting under 200 for a while. I don't know if he still is. Um, no, Winker's been he, red hot. Suarez is killing him, man. He is not the same dude from last year. No. And last year, he wasn't really the same guy from 2018 either. His strikeouts are, are exploding. He's regressing uh, horribly. But they need it. Like, that's all they need in my mind is a little bit of offensive consistency. But they can get shut out by anyone on any given night. They don't play particularly well on the road. I mean, they're four and six. It's not crazy bad, but they 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 don't show. Or I'm sorry, they they don't play particularly well at home. They're five and seven at home, and last year that was a problem too. They had trouble scoring at home. That's a hitter's park, so I don't really know what what's going on there. I I am with you, talent wise. That team should be able to make a run, and they're it's still in my mind the most talented team in the in the division, but they're running out of time. Check this out. Here's, here's that division. Cubs, and this is the division the last 10 games for all teams. Cubs, four and six. St. Louis, five and five. Cincinnati, four and six. Milwaukee, four and six. Pittsburgh, four and six. No one wants to run away with the division. Yeah. It's, Everyone's playing sub 500 baseball in the last 10 games. The East and the Central to me are very similar in the NL. Uh, the NL is, in general, extremely mediocre. <laughs> I mean, there's not nearly as many exciting teams in the NL, I think, as the AL, where you can you can look at the AL and look at at least two teams in every division that you're like, there's a scenario they can make a deep run into the playoffs. And in the Central, you're really got three. Um, in the NL, it's Braves, kind of Cubs, and then you got the Dodgers and Padres, who are like all of the sexiness of the of the NL is in those two teams in my mind. Yep. Dodgers are a juggernaut. 79. That's their run differential. Plus, it was crazy last year. You're talking 30 games. They're outscoring teams by 80 runs, basically. They're 22 and 8. We know about the talent. We, we've got plenty of highlights for them that we're going to get to. A 733 winning percentage. This is a team that would be also hit. Yankees and Dodgers, in my mind, would be a collision course. Maybe if they made the World Series in a normal year, would have the two best records ever. Yeah. And yeah look at that division. Everyone else sucks after them in San Diego. And San Diego is the second hottest team in baseball right now, only because the Dodgers are hotter. Yeah. It's, San Diego uh, got all the headlines this week. All the headlines. And what the Dodgers do, they won nine of their last ten. How about this? Dodgers have given up 92 runs. You look, eliminate the Cardinals because they've played 10 games less. The next closest, and eliminate the Marlins because they've played like five games less. The next closest I'm looking at here, 116. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's 18 runs in 30 games. I mean, There's that is only that, one team better than them. Their defense and pitching has been great. They've scored 171 runs, which is also the most in the NL by eight over the Padres, or, or right behind them, uh, four games out of the division. Mookie's doing his every other year thing. He's on his MVP mm -hmm. year this year. He'll suck he's, next year. This year he'll be the MVP. He's fit in fine. It's like he took his own powers, and then he took a little bit of Bellinger's and also is but putting it, it himself. It's weird, man. I look at Mookie, and it's it's almost like there was a relief, you know, him leaving Boston. It's, you feel like there was just something – he got something off of him. He's allowed to have fun. He he looks like he's enjoying playing baseball right now more than I've ever seen him before. I agree, and I don't think it's a leap to say he didn't love being in Boston. 
Uh, and I only say that not to pick on Boston, and I realize, obviously, he won a title there. I'm sure he doesn't regret that. But he never, ever seriously took an extension with them. Nope. He, I mean, he did the opposite. He wanted to get to he free made, agency. He made it very clear he wasn't extending, that he right. was going to go to free agency. He made it very clear. So, yeah, I agree with you. Mookie's having fun. Mookie's everything we want them to pump in the game. Mookie and Tati's promote those dudes, promote those dudes, promote those dudes. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I've always liked Mookie Betts. Now I love Mookie Betts because he's not on the Red Sox. But exactly. uh, I can finally be free with Mookie as well. Um, Just and like I, I said, Mike, Mike Ben Stein Trout is the best player in the game, but he is not the face of the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That I mean, that's how we've framed it this entire time. Is it? And Mike Trout is indisputably the best in the game. Every time in baseball life, which seems like once a month, someone wants to say something else or just reaffirm that he is the best in the game. It shouldn't be a, like it's a not to pick on Mike Trout. It's a boring topic to discuss how great he is because it should be obvious. But yeah. he is not. He is not the face of the game. He his team sucks. His signature is boring. It's a shitty signature. <laughs> His team sucks. He is boring. He doesn't say or do enough. Bryce Harper is more of a face of the game to me than Mike Trout. And that argument, that ship sailed like three years ago to yeah, compare the two. Totally agree. So, yeah, we're on the same page there. Padres, that other team, I mean, look, the Dodgers are about to just destroy the Giants, I think. Giants have been pesky. They're only two under. That's another team, mm. I think. But they're very mediocre. They're, you know what this is, Henry? This is going to crack me up. Um, they are going to be good enough not to be sellers again <laughs> for like the fifth year in a row. They need to be sellers regardless of what their record is. They need to restock that farm system. They need to get some salary relief. So they're still up there. They need to get rid of some players. It's a conspiracy at this point. Chris Flores joins every single time we bring up the Giants. Every time we mention the Giants, she's on point. Every time she comes on, as soon as we start talking shit in particular about the Giants, because how many good things can you say? Um, but yeah, I, Giants put it this way. The second half of 2016 and the first half of 2017, they were the worst team in the NL record-wise. They didn't sell. They didn't sell in 2018 and they didn't sell in 2019. At this point, it's just, it, it, it's torture if you're a Giants fan that this team has never chosen to rebuild and Joey Bart's up. That's great. Uh, they have a not awful farm system, but it's definitely not good to start a new core. And all of their core pieces, as we've mentioned, are now too old and don't have the value. It's very similar to what the Phillies did. They turned what could have been like a two- or three-year rebuild into like a five- to seven-year rebuild, which is they what the Giants are trading, They need to start trading some of those contracts and some of those veteran guys and freeing up some money and seeing what they can get back in town. Yeah, at least pull a Red Sox and just start doing salary dumps everywhere and, and free up some of that payroll. Agreed. Uh, they're not even doing that. If anyone takes Cueto, I mean, who takes that contract? Yeah, I, I mean... I say, maybe... I say that and then we end up trade for him. Watch. <laughs> we acquired Johnny Cueto. I, I, I will do something. I don't know what, but it won't be good. Um, yeah, and then the Rockies, <laughs> by the way have completely fallen off a cliff. I mean, Rocky Mountain High to Rocky Mountain Crater. They yeah. are have lost nine of ten and seven in a row. Uh, every good, you know, that, that was a classic case of a team that started off fluky high. And even in a 60-game season, they've already been exposed for what they are, which is not very good. 
So, Charlie Blackman is starting to fade. I mean, he's still hitting 405, but that's because he started off so blistering. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, that whole team's just going to fall apart. That that was a classic sell, sell mode, especially yeah. being in the West with the Padres and Dodgers. You knew they were going to start putting it together. Um, can, I Dodger... ask, can I ask him something? Yeah. This, this is more for Henry. Um, how's uh, Arenado doing? Cause I know, I you know, I'd like to bring him up because you know, I... fuck oh, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Why you brought it up? Say winning Nolan Arenado, by the way, in case anyone was wondering. Hold on a second. Nolan Arenado is currently hitting 218, 259 on base, 455 slugging. He is who I thought he was. So. So you're telling me that he's doing a little bit better than Altuve right now in batting average? <laughs> Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, Jose Altuve is my equivalent to Nolan Arenado. <laughs> but it's also your equivalent to Nolan Arenado. So. I give Nolan Arenado credit on defense. He's one of the greatest defenders I've ever seen. He's one of the most overrated offensive players this game has ever seen. That's... That's not entirely unfair. <laughs> I, I agree with you like 80%. Um, I'm not calling him bad. There's a difference. Right. No, I get I'm it. I'm saying he's just grossly, grossly overrated. If you put him and Matt Chapman in a neutral site, Matt, Matt Chapman will run leaps and bounds around. Matt Chapman has been the best third baseman in baseball for three years now, and he's finally getting his due. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Arenado at Coors and Matt Chapman doing it in Oakland is polar opposites. And for the record, I've been on the Matt Chapman trade since he's been up. Yeah, I uh, I drafted them in Dynasty, so I, I'm a big Matt Chapman guy too. Um, and then you got the Diamondbacks; they just don't have. <laughs> Manuel said I'm channel channeling my inner Dennis Green. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Uh, we get a lot of things right on this show, and we like to mention it. So. Um, so that, that's kind of your look around the league. I, uh, you know, the AL East to me is going to, Blue Jays will be a pain in the ass. I don't think they're going to be in it in the end for division winners. I think they can certainly make the playoffs, especially if you look at the eight team expanded right now, we'll give a little update there. Rays definitely in Yankees, definitely in twins, definitely in Oakland, definitely. in. that's four and all three division winners, probable, uh, Indians and white Sox. That's six. Uh, and then you're starting to talk those last two slots. You've got the Astros in the mix, Blue Jays in the mix, Orioles in the mix. That's probably it. That's probably realistically two of those three teams are going to make the playoffs. The AL is going to struggle to put the last two to three teams in. It's going to be two or three brutal teams, teams yeah. that may even be sub 500. Now, this is where I mentioned I've had this argument several times with other Yankee fans. Home field doesn't matter. Seating doesn't matter because that's the Boone mentality. Well, you're absolutely wrong because those top three teams, which are the division winners, are going to get to pick their opponents. And in the AL, those three bottom teams are dog shit. <laughs> so you have a lot of incentive in my mind to win your division, especially the Yankees. Uh, I don't care so much about home field. I get it. There's no fans, but there's a lot as far as seating goes in the AL way, way, way rather would get to choose between the Astros, Blue Jays, and Orioles than, say, the Indians, who have a killer staff, even without Clevenger, uh, White Sox, who can just slug the shit out of you, or the uh, – that's it. The, or the you Astros, know what, you who know are, are plenty of water under that bridge. 
is Cleveland has been so fucking good. And because the Padres and because the Yankees and because the Dodgers have been so hot, they've flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. Any other season, any other situation, we're talking about the Cleveland Indians and how well they're playing and how lights out their pitching is. They have the least amount of runs given up in 84. That's yeah. absurd. That they team is just – and they just traded um, – they got rid of Corey Kluber last year. I, mm-hmm. they, just, they just develop arms. They send uh, Clevenger home. They send police sack home, and they, they just keep winning. How would you like to send two of your starters home and then call up Tristan McKenzie, yeah. <laughs> who strikes out 10 in his debut, and, and uh, basically almost, he almost threw a shutout? So we give them shit, but that team is slowly becoming a team that is running themselves very well, like the better teams in baseball. Yeah. Right, they right are, after they lost the World Series, it looked a little funny. It looked like they were going to start to tank, and they, they, they're doing what they need to do. This may be unpopular among Astros fans, but that's what I strive for. The Indians, to me, are the ideal run mid-level franchise, uh, payroll-wise, mid-market. Cardinals, too. Cardinals are the AL version. Indians, to me, are, are – Cardinals are the NL version. Indians, to me, are the AL version. Uh, I wouldn't call I would it. I think the Cardinals – I'm, I'm still put the Cardinals in big spender category, you know. That's just yeah, a yeah, run organization. Categorize it like to me. You have the Yankees, Giants, Dodgers. Uh, Boston. Three. What's that? Boston. Yes, Boston, Chicago. To me, those five are on a different tier than Padres, Cardinals, and Indians. I'd, I'd still put the. I, I think the cards are there with them. Oh, and they Nationals, the, we forgot them on the top tier, yeah, too. They may be on the bottom end of it, but I think they're there. They're, they're among the big spenders and the big market teams. They spend wisely. Okay, well, either way, yeah. uh, if you're not a top five spender, I want to be like the Indians more than the Astros. Uh, yeah. The Astros, the Astros they, they cut corners as well as any team's ever done it in terms of just totally tanking and then and building this great core. But the Indians actually – are kind of a mid-market version of the race. <laughs> they're able to trade off pieces, bring in pieces. They're in the thick of it every year, and they are self-sustainable with pitching. Um, yep. The Astros have proven, though they have a gr- they had a great pitching development. They took guys like Verlander, who looked dead, uh, Granke, who looked like he was on his way down, Cole, who was average in Pittsburgh. Wait, and, uh, did you and, see what, and, what's that? Did you see what Granke did over the weekend? The, is it one of our highlights? No, is it? Oh, no. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 not that. Oh, okay. No, what what he did with the pitching mound? No. He was complaining that there was a divot in the pitching mound, so he calls the ground crew over, and as they're, like, digging and filling it in, he just sits down Indian-style watching them do it. And the camera, <laughs> I saw him sitting, and I didn't know the yeah. context of it. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. I know I cut you off, but I just saw him. You, you mentioned Granky, and I instantly thought of him doing that. Yeah, no, that's funny. Uh, oh, hey, Jess, welcome to the welcome to the show. Another Angels fan in here. Um, no, that I I, I like old man Granky's personality. Yeah. I think he's kind of grown into what he is. Um, but anyway, my my thought on that is that the Indians are self sustainable. So they're also uh, fun, like, but like I said, they're flying under the radar. And uh, speak, speaking of fun, Vince. Yes. Who's next? What team is next? The most funly. You have the Padres who are fun. Who's yeah. next after that? What's the next fun team we're going to talk about? Oh, the White Sox. White Sox. 
Before the season, I said the White Sox are, are going to be fun, and that's exactly what they have been. They've been hot. They've been hitting everything. They're hitting everything a ton. They have 87 Cubans on the team. They're just smoking every fucking thing. That team is fun to watch. Bushnell must be having a good time watching them. They're not taking the league by storm in, in terms of winning everything, but they're getting better. I mean, they're, what, 586 win percentage? It's a fun think, team to watch. I'd be excited if I was a fan of those. I mean, they're setting every Cuban record possible uh, with with home runs. But, yeah, it's a shame. I don't see Ricky or Matt watching, um, which is a shame because we're talking about the White Sox a lot. But I think White Sox fans are in the right mindset. It's very similar to how the Yankees' mindset, Yankee fans' mindset was in 2017. It's yeah. still an audition year. You want to see progress. You're not expecting a title. And I think if you keep that mindset as a White Sox fan in 2020 – uh, you're right. You're locked and loaded for 2021. I really think that they're going to be think, right in the thick of things. If they keep that up, another free agent and two signing with the momentum they have, watch out for them next year for sure. And Kopik, Kopik finally Kopech comes back. back. Hopefully. Yep. I mean, I, I won't get on him because of his issue. So I'll, you know, I'll be the hey. nice guy. I'm a big believer in his arm. Uh, I, I'd like to see it stay healthy for a full season. We have no idea if it can with the way he throws. But, um, two but and a half seasons a, he's missed. an ace I mean, if he's healthy. Um, if he's healthy, two and a half seasons missed. I mean, it's a lot of time yeah. he's missed. He's not pitching a full year regardless next year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting, though. But I think the White Sox have enough there to compete next year. And that offense – might be the best in baseball next year for all we know. I mean, it's that kind of ceiling with how young those guys are and what they're doing is unbelievable. Can't say it's that unexpected because they had a, like the greatest farm system of like 10 years at one point. Yeah. So, definitely. and the Padres had the other one and look at them. So, you know, those, they those hit, prospects they made, are panning out. They, they made great draft picks. They made fantastic trades. They moved guys they needed to move. They pushed all the right buttons. Ricky, I, this is a fun, like, special power we've got. I summoned Ricky. I didn't reach out to him. I just said his name, and he appeared. It's like we say yeah. the Giants, and Chris appears. Exactly. We did it twice. Okay, I, I liked it. Well, and we mentioned the Angels, and uh, Jess appeared. So, I, yeah, I like this. I, this is great. You know, you know what I can see? I can see the White Sox just saying, fuck it. We're going to have fun. They're going to go out there and, and try to get Trevor Bauer or something, make some, you know, splashy moves like that for a pitcher that they desperately need. One more starter. Dallas Keuchel, by the way, has been what I would want if if I signed him. He's been wonderful. Uh, Don't be surprised if they make a move. I can see them making a move on Tanaka. I can see them making a move on Bauer. I can see that, you know, they're going to bring another arm or two in. I think Paxton's a great arm for them. Um, They've had a lot of arms like him in the last few years, and he'd probably stay 100% healthy just because he'd be leaving the the way it works. Yeah, so I wouldn't. What what would be fun is – Wait, Jose Quintana going back? He's a free agent. <laughs> that could happen too. Um, I, I I think there's no doubt the Yankees are keeping one of Tanaka and Paxton, and I think there's also no doubt they're keeping Tanaka. So that's I how I see it. Paxton will be a free agent. Yep, could get a pillow know. deal. Yeah. Could get a pillow deal. They both could come back, but I think the Yankees if are I'm, definitely. If I'm gonna... the White Sox, if I'm the White Sox, go get Trevor Bauer. Call it a day. Yeah, he's going to be a hot commodity. Uh, I think the Red Sox will, will be hot for Trevor Bauer, too. Well, to, I, I sincerely hope their markets are so big that the Red Sox have to overpay for whoever they have to go for. I, I don't think Trevor Bauer's personality meshes well in Boston. 
It would not at all, which I'm fine either way. They'll run them out of town. It'll be a show and we'll laugh at it. We'll probably have a whole show about it. Yeah. Fucking segment. We'll have a whole show. Now I got these, these, the trade deadline, by the way, is next week. I'm sure we'll have a lot to report if there are any real trades. I've got this conspiracy theory that Cashman's going to go hard after Clevenger now. Don't, don't, don't tease me. That's a pennies on the dollar trade. It, it attracts, it, it's a little Trevor Bauer bait, even though he hates don't, Garrett Cole. Don't, don't do it to me, bro. Don't, that's, I'm that's, just that's, saying. That's playing just the tip. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, Yankees apparently have been looking at the Indians. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I would love it. Look, empty the farm and throw in Lindor. Get them both. I mean. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to call up Debbie over Clark Schmidt, <laughs> trade Clark Schmidt. Schmidt. Trade Clark Schmidt. Trade Debbie. Call me crazy. Trade Jason Dominguez and bring them both here. I would give up Schmidt and Dominguez for Clevenger and Lindor. Absolutely. For sure. I would, like um, add, I would like to add something to that Clevenger um, topic. Um, remember, if he does go to the Yankees, you'll uh, be reunited with Matt Blake. That's my thing, too. Yeah, it's a good point. I would want to see him and Garrett Cole fight. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't like each other. Bauer also doesn't like Cole. But I think if Thurman Munson and Reggie Jackson can do it and win a couple titles, I, they'll figure it out. Look, I just, just put a camera in. Give me a reality show on Yes Network. Let them duke it out. Yeah, Let Clevenger tease him and come with his own little sign, you know. I'm all for it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Rob, let's get an update and then let's get into the highlights. Sure. Uh, right now, at the top of the fifth, Marlins are up 7 nothing against the Nationals. God yeah. damn. Cool, yes, yeah. right? Yeah, the Cubs over right now up top of the Tigers 2 nothing. Top, bottom of the second, and we okay. have. Um, well, speaking of Cleveland, they're up one nothing against the Twins. Um, going to the third. That's a good matchup. I apparently also, if I talk shit about the Cubs, they score runs. That that's been going on the last few weeks, also. Um, yeah. Earlier today, by the way, Blue Jays beat the Rays. That like I said that earlier. Um, that's a point five in the AL East, as close as you can get going into this week. Uh, let's get on the highlights here. So we're going to start with highlights. We've got a bunch of them for you, and we're going to go right back over to San Diego to start us off. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's cue this up. This is Manny Machado on my fantasy team, in case any of you are wondering. And this is Manny Machado. He is normally a shortstop slash third baseman, and right now he's a right fielder almost at the warning track making that catch. I mean, that is unbelievable range. Fantastic. And it may – you only be as impressive as our next highlight, which is also the Padres. So go ahead. Hit it. Hit it, baby. My man, Fernando Tatis. Where's that video? There we go. Look at that play. Now, the camera, the whole time, the camera's on the left fielder. And then Tatis comes out of nowhere and makes that grab. This kid is so fun to fucking watch. I can't wait, man. This kid is this kid is. It's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, that that's very Jeter-like, except at an even more extreme angle to me. Like I said, the best part of that highlight was you're looking at the left fielder, and then you just see this out of nowhere. Yeah, it's uh, just unbelievable. The, those are your middle infielders. <laughs> if you're the, if you're, or those those are two of your infielders. If you're the Padres, what an exciting yeah. time to be alive. Uh, speaking of middle infielders. Let's, uh, let's go to old friend over here with the Phillies. Nice little fundamentals. Um, I don't miss Didi Gregorius that much, but this is nice. This is Freddie Freeman going into the gap over here. 
Philly's cutting it off over there in the outfield, and there's some fundamentals, right? You hit Didi on the fly. Didi hits on the plate. Perfect throw. Doesn't even get to touch home. He's just out. Rio Mudo, pretty excited. We've seen that. We've seen that many, many times. Yeah. He, hey, can't, can't, can't question his defense when he's healthy. No doubt about that. Yep. What do you have for us, Henry? Right now we have my man coming up, Joey Bart. Chris, pay attention. Chris, where you at? Joey Bart. All over the place. Where is it? Is it up? Is it down? Foul, foul, fair. Joey Bart making the play. Buster Posey who? You know, I, uh, I I like plays like that because if you've never been a catcher or worn the gear, you have no idea how hard that play is. <laughs> I just like to wear that catch, to wear all of that equipment and catch it at that angle with his glove like that. Uh, foul territory. I mean, you've seen how some catchers, they can't even catch fly balls anyway. Um, that's way more amazing than it looked. He looks, he looks ungraceful, but that's, that's a really tough catch. That's a, that's a hard ass play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and <laughs> here's one that's probably not as tough, but, uh, still funny nonetheless. This is our man, Ramon Laureano in Oakland. Manuel, pay attention. Uh, yeah, some range. In that, the most impressive thing about this isn't so much that he guns the runner at second because you're kind of in no man's land if you're the base runner. It's how he caught that ball. Yeah. That could have very well bounced over his head or off his glove, but he caught it in a little, like, quick, like, banana catch. It was very – And he, he throws Javi, it and guns the runner. Very Javi Baez-esque where, you know, Baez just does things that look so nonchalant. Yeah, that's smooth. I like that. What's Here's up, Nick, boy? Rob? You ready, Rob? Hit it. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, this is the uh, Zach Granke. Yep. Go ahead. Here we have Zach Granke calling his own pitch. Oh, he didn't get there the beginning. He called his own EFIS pitch. Did he? he yeah, he did. He called it. He was calling it. There was a, In the beginning of that video, he's putting down the hand signals to the catcher. He calls a pitch, and it just floats in at a 54 miles per hour, something you get from, like, a softball team. Everyone's smiling, but yeah, before that, he called it. This makes me miss El Duque, <laughs> one of the craftiest pitchers I've ever seen, and maybe the last time I remember Ephes pitch. That but, had uh, the ball written all over it. Yeah, I used a quick pitch, Ephes pitch. He'd do anything. It was awesome. Um, yeah, that, that's Zach Greinke. Again, he, he might be the quirkiest player in baseball, and uh, there's another example. Let's get to uh, some more defense here. Here's a guy who's much maligned. Um, we've talked about the Marlins and, you know, Henry and you and I are, are very much on the Marlin bandwagon Absolutely. for the future. This is a guy who hasn't been part of it. Lewis Brinson barely has stayed in the majors. Kristen Yelich centerpiece. He's in the majors now and he makes that catch to Rob Juan Soto, our featured home run hitter last week of a home run, yeah. and that's not the last year you're going to see of the Nationals either. That had a lot of the uh, Andy Chavez type. It was like an Andy Chavez light. Yeah, know, that catch. yeah, yeah. not quite the arm ex extension, yeah. but that's like the – he kind of floated to catch that. Very beautiful. Yep. Go ahead, Rob. Here we have uh, my man Victor Robles. Yeah, all, all's fair here. He's robbing Austin Riley. Look at this catch. My man scales the wall a la Ichiro, catches it, snow cones, calls it a day, looking cool with the high socks, kiss my ass. My man doing a thing. I think that was, was so fresh, cool. fresh off the IL, too. 
Yeah, he he's so he's just so effortless with his, with his defense, man. I like Robles. I, I think he's so cool. He's underrated in a watching standpoint. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think his stats are underrated, but he's fun to watch and doesn't really get a lot of press. Um, here's a guy who's fun to watch who does get a lot of press, and this is going to start off our walk-offs of the week. This is my man Bellinger. Dodgers fans, pay attention because he's starting to wake up. Four home runs this week. Here's one of them. This one's going to end the game against the Rockies. Uh, tried to rob a home run there, just couldn't quite do it. That ends that game. Dodgers win that game. Dodgers with a nice week. And uh, Bellinger, a nice week. Like I said, four home runs. He had some other big moments we'll get to in a second here, but that one a walk-off for the Dodgers. Well, if you're going to show a walk-off, I'm going to show a walk-off. And here's my man, Dansby Swanson. There we go, getting all of it, going oppo. That's a deep part of the park, by the way. Oh, yeah. Game over, baby. <laughs> Those crack me up because he goes to try and rob that home run. It's like 10 yeah. feet behind the wall. It's not even close. <laughs> I like, do they do that because it's just the, you know, they're like practicing the motion or do they legitimately think they can catch it? I, I don't know what it is. Just fuck with the cameraman. <laughs> cracks me up every time. By the way, Dan P. Swanson, I think, has multiple walk-offs in his career. Another guy who, uh, a major, major prospect in the day, hasn't really reached that ceiling, but he's become a nice little player for the Braves. Yeah, he's, he's nice. And uh, the Braves, by the way, kings of the walk-offs. I think they have like six this year. Here's another one. So this time it's Adam Duvall. You might remember him from such teams as the Cincinnati Reds. Here you're going to remember him for the Atlanta Braves. That's another walk-off. So two of them this week, uh, Duvall ending it. Another Braves 22 run differential. But like I said, I think they've got like six walk-offs this season. I'm not exaggerating. Pretty crazy. Dan was a little more, uh, had a little more flair. Yeah, for sure. That's just a common single. There were other walk-offs as well. I think the Rays had one in one of those uh, softball style extra inning games. But um, those are the ones I like. For the next one. Oh yeah, so we'll we'll get into the dongs. Henry's got a bat for every dong here. Like prettiest so, signature, prettiest signature in baseball, by the way. Juan Soto. Start us off with a long dong, Rob. Uh, this again, Juan Soto. He probably didn't like getting robbed of that home run, <laughs> so he's gonna make up for it here. Look at where this one lands. This kid's like twelve years old, and uh, and he goes oppo. I mean that that that's an oppo shot. This kid is just incredibly strong, man. His power is ridiculous. I remember that game in, in, I think, 2018 when he came up against the Yankees. He hit those two home runs that both went like 450 feet. I was like, this guy's a problem. He's like Andrew Jones. Uh, that was uh, Soto starting us off. What do you have for us next, Rob? Got the uh, Nelson Cruz, the ageist wonder. Coming up. You're never too Probably. old to hit a home run, Rob. Just remember that. Yeah, never too old to hit one. And, man... <laughs> That was a jack. <laughs> yeah, he just smoked that, no doubt about it. Eventually, we're going to have to start talking about Nelson Cruz for the Hall of Fame, even with the PEDs bullshit. But him and Edwin, just they're putting up stats, man. They're just hitting them and hitting them and hitting them and patting their stats. The man loves dongs and he loves long ones. Uh, Nelson Cruz, a little Gary Sheffield there. That was a violent home run. Oh, absolutely. And this one may be my favorite violent home run of the week. Everything Bryce Harper does is violent when he swings. I mean, his torque, if you've ever seen him in person, is like just at like I would break my oblique swinging like him. 
that's uh that's Harper. That's not the one I thought it was, but that's a Harper home run. Um, nothing Rob did wrong, by the way. I'm just thinking of that Bryce one that went into like outer space. But um, my MVP yeah. pick, Bryce Harper this year. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, all right, hey, not too well, late. He's having a nice season. Having a good season, but Mookie's laughing at everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone's catching right now. Shane Bieber, AL Cy Young, Mookie NL MVP. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's catching either one of them. Uh, so I think Alan mentioned Yelich earlier. He's not really in contention of it. I don't know what's – he might not be fully recovered from his injury, honestly. He's doing that every other year thing, too. Yeah, that's also a good point. Let's get to our next, next one up, here. Next up, we have a first career home run from Alec Bone. And let's see it in action. Dude is tall, frail, and skinny, but he got all of that one. Yeah, is he 6'6"? Six, six? He even went into the drink. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that went did. way further than I thought it would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You look at the dude, and he's, you know, lanky. You don't think you're going to get that kind of torque out of him. And then he puts it where he put it. So I, I like that. He's got – I mean, his his bat uh, coming out of college was, like, prolific power with major holes in his swing. Uh, I think he's corrected some of those holes, but you could see the major power on display there. I mean, he, yeah, that was they, not everything. Had him in the – it went in the water, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's – he didn't get all of that either. Yeah. But, I think uh, they had a video later of Freddie Freeman, you know, kind of congratulating him when he was on third base later on, so it was kind of cool. That yeah. is cool. And, yeah, and while we're on the, the emotional wagon here, let's switch over to our first montage. So Dodgers did a cool thing. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Eddie Morales' picture, he's got a um, he's got a cool Kobe Bryant helmet. They had a Kobe Bryant Memorial um, Day of Respect. You'd see the numbers there. Dodgers obviously coming out in his eight and 24 uniforms. If you saw some of the cool stats that were going around Twitter, Bellinger hit his eighth home run um, and his 24th hit of the season. Those were both Kobe numbers. This is the Dodgers on Kobe Bryant day going dong once going dong twice. Is that one's going to flip it out of there? I love their, their cutouts. I like uh, here's another one. This one's going to go. Oppo, that's it went three. into the sign that said "fly better." I like this part, <laughs> yeah, that, this part right here, right here. Kobe, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, and here's the fourth one. So lots, of, lots of dongs on Kobe Bryant Day. A nice tribute. Um, I, it's still talking about it. It's still like a fresh wound. Uh, yeah, I think Kobe Bryant yeah. just meant that much, and I can only imagine if you're an LA fan, you know, it's it's that much worse. But that was an, a nice tribute by the Dodgers. They win that game and they hit four home runs for them. Yeah, definitely. Okay, guys, you ready for some fun? Yeah, let's have let's some see. fun with let's the yeah. most fun exciting right player in the league. Hit yeah, it. we saved the best for last for all the, your Padre fans. So a little little montage here. Just get let me just get it. Rob, ready. Rob's working overtime, guys. Enjoy this one. Seriously, yeah. I I was having fun trying to edit these these uh, clips. I had a great time doing it, and now I'm getting the hang of it. And yeah, be definitely you're definitely gonna love this. Show me the most exciting guy in baseball. There you go, coming up, coming up right here. That's one. <clears throat> this man's name, by the way, is Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of him. He uh, he hasn't been in the news very much this week, but uh, yeah, that's him hitting one. 
There's another this apple. This is one we're going to talk about in a second. Opposite field, Grand Slam 3-0. Take note of the score. Oh, Grand Slam. And just because he wasn't done with Texas. Poor Texas, man. They got destroyed this week. That was off Lance Lynn, by the way, who, who Lance Lynn is killing it this year. Yeah. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> Sean reminding me of Lance Lynn. I, so far, I'm dead wrong on I thought for sure he's a one-year wonder, and, and somehow in his early to mid-30s, he is, and being fat, he is not a one-year wonder. He's having another fantastic year. What could um, it be? But that was him being victimized, which brings me a little bit of happiness. And, uh, yeah, so those were – those, by the way, for those of you who did not pick up on it, were home runs by Fernando Tatis Jr. And now we have an even bigger celebration for the Padres this, this week. Grand dongs, our favorite types. Um, the Padres hit five grand slams this week alone. Here again is the one we're going to talk about in a second. 10-3-3. Destroyed a cutout, by the way. Yep. Will Myers. Another one. This is uh, another Grand Slam. This time it is Will Myers. That's going to go the third one against Texas alone. Consecutive days. That's this, Manny Machado. This is a moonshot. Is this the one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a walk-off Grand Dong. You don't get to say that very often. Um, pretty excited. I woke up to find out he had hit four RBIs when I was sleeping. That was nice. Then you got this one and Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer still doing his thing. Another grand slam off Texas. Uh, and then my maybe my favorite one, just because it's against the Astros. Uh, <laughs> that one's going to go by journeyman Jake Cronenworth. Sounds like he should be like. Dude, I'm glad you pronounced that and not me. I pronounce the Spanish <laughs> names. You pronounce those white names. <laughs> I, I have no idea if it's right, but uh, I'm going to assume it is because I'm one with the whiteness. And he uh, he should be an English lit major, not a baseball player. But that was a grand slam. So, so what did you notice, Vince? In that in that highlight package, they were in order that they occurred. The first one was Tatis's grand slam. Mm-hmm. And so, where did that take us? Tatis in a ten-three game, bases loaded, three-zero count. Uh, I think it was the eighth inning. He gets a green light, or I'm sorry, he doesn't. He gets a take sign from his own manager, porn star Jace Tingler, and uh, and he hits an opposite field grand slam. Ignores the take sign, goes 3-0. He's Fernando Tatis Jr. He's done this like 10 times this year. I don't know if he ignored it or he might have just missed it. I mean. Yeah, either way, he didn't obey it. Um, but her Chris Woodward, Texas manager, I think that was the first game of the series. So he's not even as butthurt as he would be by the end of that series. He says it's an unwritten rule. I guess the logic is that you're allowed to groove one 3-0 with bases loaded if you're down seven runs. Um, I found the hysterical part of this that Texas has several times poured it on. And also not mentioning this is Texas led 10-1 against the Yankees at one time, the Jorge Posada walk-off. They blew that game. So if you're any team in the majors that should know that it's never over until it's over, it's Texas. They put up 30 runs just last season. For them to be talking shit is ridiculous. Yeah. So Tingler and Woodward after the game both sold out Tatis. Uh, Woodward saying that it was inappropriate and Tingler saying it was a learning moment. Um, now, I think personally, David Cohn actually had the best take of this. Uh, there's been many that are variations of this, but Cohn the next day on the Yankee game, because they were discussing it, talked about how it was indeed a learning moment, and it was a learning moment for both managers. <laughs> because in this day and age, with the amount of home runs that are being hit, the amount of runs that are being scored, 
it really is never over till it's over, whether it's 10-3, whether it's 20-3, whatever it is. Yeah. And Tatis gets a three, he hits a grand slam. If it's a pop-up, I can understand reprimanding him because in the future, maybe that hurts him, but he does everything right. And it's a grand slam and he gets criticized by his own manager, which maybe annoyed me more than Chris Woodward complaining about it. Yeah, that annoyed me. Joe Torre's reaction annoyed the hell out of me. But Chris Woodward surprised me because the dude's only 44 years old. He should know better. But more important, there's two things that stuck out to me about this. One, Fernando Tatis is the most exciting player in baseball, period. He is the face of baseball. He's exciting. The kid is fun. He is what you want all the kids to see. This dude having fun. Guys like him, guys like Baez, guys like Lindor, these guys just have fun when they play. They ooze fun, and you want to market those guys. Now you have these old dinosaurs saying, oh, unwritten rule this, unwritten don't do that. Fuck you. Play your game. Enjoy. I love how all the players came to this defense. Let the kids play, man. You can't want to market this game and then pull them back every time they do something and have fun. Number two for me, more importantly, money. The one thing in this league, you make no money until you hit your arbitration year. And all those things are stats. They say don't take it personal, but what they do is they bring a stack sheet to the arbitration case and say, hey, you're hitting this, you're hitting this, you're hitting this. Those numbers mean something to them in, in the grand scheme of things when it comes to arbitration and getting this contract. So, Fernando Tatis, keep doing your thing, brother. I love you. Keep having fun. Let the kids play. It's a very good point. Uh, I didn't even consider that point, but it's a good point. It, look, it, this is what we talk about all the time. We talked about it all offseason. MLB is the best sport out there at hurting itself. <laughs> and that is, that is what we're seeing here. Michelle points out in the comments, Texas hasn't won since. Consider it karma or whatever you want. Um, I did not realize but, that. I love that. <laughs> yep, seven in a row. Um, but this is another example. We talked about Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis going forward. And I think we both agreed in the end, it's probably Tatis because he's got the offense and the defense. And he's on a team that very well could be contenders for a long time. Right. Uh, and that, you know, Soto has a title already, but Tatis is going to be there. He's going to be in the spotlight for a while. Uh, it's something that even Mike Trout's not guaranteed because he's never been in the spotlight in yep. the playoffs and whatnot. We know the Padres are going to be good for a while. Um, Tatis is electric. He's exciting. He steals bases. He's a five-tool player. He plays a premium position. Uh, he does everything right. He's fun. He's fun. He looks cool. <laughs> Whether you're white, Hispanic, or black, like that, that's a cool look. I wish I looked like that. That'd be awesome. Um, he is everything you want. And MLB, rather than adopt this and, and embrace it and play to his strengths – wants to shit on it. They want it, they want it to be the boring 1980s, you know, this type of, of carry yourself a certain way. That's not how sports are anymore. That's not how millennials are as athletes. It's not how the younger generation below them, Gen, Gen, or Gen uh, Z is going to be as athletes. That mm -hmm. Those days are over. And you need to adapt to it. Like Adam Silver's done a great job in the NBA. Um, you need to adapt to the players, not the other way around. The players don't need to fit in. This isn't golf. They don't need to fit into a set of rules that were made 100 years ago. They carry the sport. They create the revenue. And if you're an owner like the Cardinals who say it's not a very profitable sport, well, stop silencing your best players. <laughs> That's a very easy way to add profit. Yeah. And they don't do that well. And this is another example of it. And I'm glad this is what this is the Trevor Bauer effect. You can feel, you can hate Trevor Bauer or love Trevor Bauer, but either way, the Trevor Bauer effect for me is that players aren't putting up with it anymore. 
They've got Twitter. They've got plenty of outlets where they can finally express themselves. We mm-hmm. saw it in the in the negotiations with MLB this offseason to have this season. Instead of just losing the PR and, and media battle that they've done in years past, they were out in front of it. Uh, not always the best. You know, we saw Snell <laughs> say things he shouldn't add, mm-hmm. but but they can do that now. And you saw, Henry, to your point, these players come out and they're defending Tatis as they should because that's where MLB has to take a hint. They're in the minority now as far as feeling this way about unwritten rules and all this bullshit that I didn't, you know, we didn't like that growing up as fans either. <laughs> and there's a contingent out there that may still like it and still respect it, but I'm sorry, evolve or die, adapt or die. That's the name you, of the game. I know you were more annoyed that his manager threw him under the bus. I yeah, was more annoyed about Joe Torre because Joe Torre was on the Michael K show the next day. And they asked him, Joe Torre has been Major League Baseball's chief baseball officer since 2011. Here's an opportunity to say, hey, this is one of our young guys. And Joe Torre just goes on and says, I'm not a fan of what he did. Just tone deaf and foolish. Now, what I do love that we didn't get to is Tatis apologized for hurting whoever's feelings he hurt, whoever's fragile, fragile ego. But what he did the next day <laughs> is while they were up, he yes. fucking stole third base. Yeah. <laughs> that was They're like a good fuck you. <laughs> I, I like loved to, it. Yeah, I would like to add something. And I'm um, looking at the comments here. I uh, got a good comment from Wendy. She was like, my Wendy, who happens to be my wife, um, she mentioned that Fernando Tatis, um, yeah, she, Fernando Tatis apologized for missing that um, sign. But the Astros didn't. He, he yeah. didn't you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, that she brings that up. So, yeah, that's a good point. It's uh... – yeah, I love that he stole that base. That was like yeah, that, that was like one giant fuck you. I bet you his father, Fernando Tati, said, Hey, play your game. That's what got you this far. Fuck these dinosaurs. And this might be Yankee fandom suicide, but Joe Torre turned the other cheek while most of that team was on steroids, just like every other manager in the game at that time. Uh, that was for entertainment. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's an unwritten rule you shouldn't cheat. And every single team when Tory was making his career was doing that. Yeah. So you don't have this in. Like, it's a ridiculous, like, ridiculous notion. I also don't want an 80-year-old man telling me how the kids should play baseball. Right. And this is – and, yeah, another good point. Tatis is like a grand slam extraordinary. as two in one game in his career. Yeah. So don't tell him how to swing with the bases loaded. Trust me, as a Yankee fan, there's plenty of guys I would love to get educated on how to approach a bases loaded situation. Oh. Uh, and Tatis is not one of them. He's got it covered, so don't worry about it. He doesn't need signs with the bases loaded. He knows what to do. We're having a Mike Trout uh, back and forth in the comments section. Don't forget, guys, Mike Trout did hit a 3-1 home – a 3 3- Oh, fastball home run, a uh, grand slam, in fact, earlier this season. So he did swing 3 0. 3 0. I'm not, with the bases loaded, I'm not a big fan of swinging 3 0 from a strategic standpoint. But using the defense that it's inappropriate is just the dumbest I, route you can go. I, I don't think it's cut and dry. I think you need to see the situation. I think you need to see what the pitcher's done before that. Is he all over the place? Can he not hit the strike? You know what I mean? I need to see the situation. I don't mind swinging 3-0. Depends on the score. There's a lot of variables involved. Yeah. Is his command off or is his control off? If he's missing the zone by three feet, yeah, I'm probably taking um, a guy like Didi sticks out. He always used to drive me nuts swinging 3-0 or swinging first pitch after a four-pitch walk. Uh, But – to your point, if you're if you're just missing, you know, the corners or whatever, it's 3-0. You know he's going to groove one. 
fine. Uh, the old adage is that you get the same pitch 3-1 as 3-0. That I don't think is true anymore because there's so many walks now that they're not afraid to throw you something in the dirt, you know, with three balls and whatnot or a curveball or whatever. You may not get a fastball right down the middle. Exactly. So uh, so that was the argument there. Now let's get to something lighthearted with Boonheaded. Um, that, by the way, was our Boonheaded calls of the week. Keith Hernandez on that wagon, too. He wasn't as bad, but he was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with it, whatever. Um, let's get to <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> here's our umpire of the week. This is a pitch uh, pointed out to us. <laughs> she should play the – you could play her up. Uh, that's a ball. <laughs> 100 miles per hour, right literally down right down the middle. I mean, you couldn't get more right down the middle, I don't think, if you tried. Hit that again, Rob. Yeah. Again. <laughs> this is like sometimes it's like oh well the box picked it up but you know it might have broken around the plate or something. That was, was the umpire. Please tell me it was Hernandez. Yeah, do we know Rob? Do you know the umpire for that call? I actually I don't I don't but I can look up I can look it up but I'm I yeah. just... not not that pressing but I'd be curious. <laughs> um, so that that's our second boon edit. But the primary thing here is just stop with the unwritten rules. It's harmful for the sport. It's not helpful. I'm not so, sure if this is true or not, but in KB in the KBO league, two umpires uh, blow, blew calls and they were sent to the minors. I think that should apply for the MLB. <laughs> that's cool. I love. I lo I'm a fan of that. I, I I think the umpires have a union that probably wouldn't they agree. They do have. They do have yeah. a union. But uh, hey, I'm all about the extreme punishments for. And to Rob's point, I just looked it up. They demoted five. <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> That's like that Simpsons episode when they're oh, like, in, yeah. in Japan, we, uh, we, we don't reward intelligence, we punish ignorance or whatever. That's, that's uh, I like that. Yeah, punish them. Uh, you swing 3-0 and you pop it off, yeah. that's like, you should be benched. It said they will be sent to the minor leagues for retraining. I love it. I yeah, love that idea. And the Lord knows what that means. <laughs> I love that idea. You know somebody got caned. You know someone got caned. Yeah, I, w I would like – I want to know from Otani what that means in the in the <laughs> international leagues. What, what's the punishment really <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting re-educated or whatever the term is? Um, Rob, let's get one more game center, and then we're going to get into our games to watch for next week. Okay, uh, top of the six, uh, Marlins still up 7-3 to three against the Nationals. Um, we, the, Cub the Cubs are up 2 nothing against the Tigers, the bottom of, bottom of the third. Uh, we have a tie game with the Twins and the Cleveland Indians, and we just and the first first inning A's and Rangers they just started. So and, that's it. and by the way, Nelson Cruz was the home run that has brought in the Twins run of the game. Speaking of the ageless wonder, Dongs, yeah, there he goes again. Thank you, Rob. Uh, so yeah, let's get into our last segment here. This is uh, our games to watch. I'll start it off as always. I am excited for this Thursday. That is, or actually, I think it's this Friday, the 28th. It's going to be A's Astros. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I picked this two days ago. Astros have lost back-to-back games since. So it's a little less exciting. But it is Frankie Montas versus Zach Greinke. Good pitching matchups. Kicks off that series. A's swept the Astros last time. I'm hoping they do it again. Uh, they could, Henry, they, they wrap up this division if they sweep the Astros again. I think yeah. that much is on the line. I agree. I actually chose the entire series for that very reason. I think the Angels need to show some fight. I don't think if they show any fight in this series, they're dead for the season. 
they need to do something. I'll be rooting for the Angels because fuck the Houston Astros. <laughs> I, I agree. Now, this is, of course, barring something crazy happens with Oakland between now and then. Uh, they're playing the Rangers, though, so don't hold your breath. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, if the Astros get swept in that series, it's over. They're already Wait, back four and a half. I'm taking mine back. Okay. I just realized they officially rescheduled the Subway Series. Yes. So I'm going to go with that because I enjoy fun, and those games are always fun. They are fun. That's the appropriate way to describe Subway Series. They're not intense rivalry. They're not particularly meaningful. They are fun, and that's what they should be. Um, should be interesting. Very curious. The Yankees have two games here to essentially uh, get their shit together before that series starts. So uh, let's let's see if they can – the Braves usually a good bet to lose to the Yankees. We'll see if that continues. And then they're heading into that Mets series. So uh, yeah, we'll see. And the, the Mets have uh, – on Friday they have undecided against Jay Happ, so the Mets have the advantage there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a win. Um, and we'll see. And the Rays, I'm just looking, they've got the Marlins. So uh, we may be very similar situation this time next week in the AL East. We'll have to see. Rob, what do you have for your game? My game will be the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. That could be a fun one. I think that might be the sleeper um, series of the week. Yeah, I'll say this, Rob. You know, the Jays just gave the Rays trouble. I think the Orioles are too dumb and young not to give the Rays trouble. <laughs> like, those are the types of teams. You know, that I love the way you put that because it, that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. It's uh, – the Rays get up for the Yankees too. That's another element. And they've admitted as much there. They said wins against the Yankees mean more to us than any other team. And it makes sense strategically. It also makes sense logically right. uh, something that the Yankees don't seem to share that sentiment because Aaron Boone doesn't seem to think that any games are more important than anything else. Exactly. By the way, guys, we have decided to expand the Boone headed segment of our show. If you see a bad call, a bad decision, Something dumb, stupid, tag us, inbox us, and we're still going to call it boonheaded uh, moves of the week. And like this time, we'll probably have an entire segment dedicated to it. Yeah. So we made your jobs easier. You have not been particularly forthright about bad manager decisions. And to a degree, we understand it because there's only so many you can remember slash mention. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, any dumb things <laughs> MLB will take, just as we did with the Tatis controversy. So you see something that's just stupid, you don't agree with it, tag us. Uh, and still the same thing for highlights and, and dongs. You know, we'll go scour MLB highlights if we need to, but we would like to get them organically. So, yeah, Real you quick, see one. Break, breaking news, uh, the, the White Sox released Brian Mitchell and Alberto Mejia. So that experiment is over. We hardly knew ye, Brian Mitchell. Um, good to know. Cubs, by the way, now only up 2-1 to one, as the Tigers have scored on them. That's your only update there. Um, Ricky calling a shot. He's saying that the White Sox will gain a half game without playing. That is a Yankee special. They've done that twice in the last three days. So we'll see if that holds true. Um, obviously, as usual, join us next week, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be right back here as we always are. Uh, tune in to, we got a couple teases here. Audible, 7 p.m. tomorrow. We say it every week. If you are not in football life, if you enjoy football or fantasy football in the least, please join football life. Listen to Matt Bushnell and Randy Hammond. Matt is a White Sox fan. Randy is a Yankees fan. 
Uh, Randy is a Giants fan. Matt is a Bears fan, as you might imagine. They, uh, they're very insightful, very entertaining show. They do a good job over there. And we've got kind of our fantasy counterpart baseball show is back. Total bases. A little tricky to find their time slot, but it's usually on Sundays. So look for that the day before we come on. Um, that's with Felipe Melicio and uh, Sean Flannery. They are your stat gurus for fantasy baseball. So any fantasy questions, definitely feel free to tune in there and ask them. But most of all, join us next week, Monday, 7 p.m. for Donk City. We will have more of this. This is going to go on all season long, um, and there will be an, a complete season. I haven't trolled anyone yet as we get to the halfway point as far as if they thought the season would end between now and the end of the year, but I'm feeling that might be coming this week as well. And as Rob has reminded us, next week is the trade deadline, so we should have a very action-packed show next week uh, discussing whatever trades have gone down. And um, – and we'll see how the standings look. Real quick, I think yep. we do have a Ballers Life podcast this week coming up. I know that we'll be t- talking about a lot of the NBA playoff games, which have been amazing. If you are not in Ballers Life, get in Ballers Life. Yeah, all right. In the basketball playoffs, great time to join in there. Uh, two big baseball fans, Jacob Moses and um, Leon Tompkins. Leon, defending champion Nationals fan, Jacob self-loathing Mets fan uh they uh they also do I mean basketball experts and this is an exciting time if you're in if you're into basketball so definitely join it they are making the bubble work I'm happy for for the NBA they figured it out but this has been Donk City we'll see you next week 7 p.m eastern time don't miss it Donk City bitches